Was that an incredible song? If you want to watch that video, I can never watch it all the way through. It just makes me cry every time. So if you want a good crying spell, go ahead and watch that video. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Well, uh, Tuesday is Mine and Buddy's Day Off. That's our day where we can just kind of unhook and we work on the weekends. So uh, we're here most of our life. And so on Tuesdays, it took us a long time to learn how to just completely empty our minds of everything that happens here. But that's what we try to do and we've gotten pretty good at it. So Tuesday is, was our day off and we didn't have anything to do. It was really kind of weird. Uh, we didn't have to go over to Harrisonburg or go anywhere. and. Uh, it was strange for us, so we said, okay, let's just try to think of something mindless to do that we can just chill out. This was this last Tuesday, and you know, it was really hot, right? It was like 98 degrees, so I said, it's definitely not a ride out into the country, top-down day, uh, and, and I said last night, Manu in India watches us online, and he usually tells me uh, after uh, a message we communicate, and I said, he probably laughs at what I just said. 98 degrees, I think, is a nice, cool day for them. <laughs> uh, I, he sent me a picture one time that had people, uh, the blacktop had, on the roads had melted so bad that people were losing their shoes when they tried to cross it. So it gets really, really hot there. But it was hot here. And so we said, well, let's, let's do a movie. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, dark theaters have gotten just a little creepy to me. I don't know. Uh, and then uh, the day before, we were at Vinny's. That's a plug for Vinny's. That's kind of our default staff place that we go to eat. Good food. Um, I'll expect a little kickback from Vinny's. But <laughs> so we were there, and Marie went with us. She's uh, on staff here as well. And and she was getting in her car as we were leaving. She, was saying, she said, I've got to go get some gas. And I said, ooh, be careful. Because just that morning, I had heard about this horrendous thing that happened in Northern Virginia where a 68-year-old man was pumping his gas. And someone came and shot and killed him, took his car just a few miles down the, the road, and torched, they found their, the car torched. And I thought... What in the world did he just need a car to get from here to there? What, what is going on? And, and then I thought, I told Marie to be careful pumping gas. And I realized the news gets to me. It, it just gets to me. And uh, we know that terror is happening everywhere. We were preparing for this message this, this week, and we were in the booth and the production team uh, we were talking about the terror that's happened in our world. We started with 9-11, then we started talking about where each one of us were at when we heard about that. And then we talked about that sniper. You remember that? I remember when Christian was little. It probably was 15, 16 years ago. It was just a mile from my house. And uh, they were teaching the children in elementary school how to walk so that they uh, wouldn't be hit by the sniper. You know, and, and there is terror and it just seems like it's being ramped up. And you know, places that we didn't have to think about five years ago, like concerts and malls and military bases and college campuses, we're now seeing that terror is happening all around the world, even here, uh, it's globally and in our, in our home. But you know the breaking news, I don't know about you, but breaking news, we're kind of getting conditioned to. We hear it every day. 
we hear those words breaking news. And I know on my phone, I have the BBC news, and maybe you have a news outlet as well. And when something breaks in news, it, it'll have that little uh, jingle. And uh, I used to pick my phone up and look at what was going on, and now it's just like I hear it and I don't even look at it anymore because I pretty much know it's just going to be another rampage. Or, and, and, you know, we just kind of shake our head and we say, this is our world now. This is our world. So, um, you know, what I, what I kind of want to turn this hot topics uh, you know, we've done some hot topics. We've done tragedy, and last week was politics. We've done hatred. Um, but, you know, I kind of want to turn it around on that. It's, it's like when we say, you know, this is our world now, really the picture that we're getting of our world is what our news is telling us. It's what the news is telling us. It's, and it, it breeds it breeds strong opinion. Everybody kind of gets a, an opinion about it. It breeds fear. Uh, there are people that are just terrified of, of uh, things that are happening. And it really shakes our sense of security. And do you know security is at the very foundation of the deepest need of every human being on the face of the earth. Security is our basic human need, and it's just shaking that. But the news is this delivery system that is giving us information that really is actually making the topics hot. They're telling us what the hot topics are. Now, did you know that, that journalists and editors, and I don't know if there are any journalists that, or editors here or people that are watching online or producers, um, are, are sometimes given incentives to use emotionally charged visuals and storylines to influence how we think. They actually present things in a way that will cause us to think in a particular way. And though we can say we know that, at the same time, we don't really grasp how, how these messages are impacting our lives. And so, so uh, journalists are told, you got you to gotta beat this up. You got to make it something that really pulls people in. Here's one that's kind of gone awry. Controversial scientist recreates pandemic flu virus that killed 500,000 people, except it's worse. It's, you, got, you got to ramp it up and make it worse. 500,000 people is pretty significant, but it's worse. And, you know, literally, um, audiences are, are shrinking and, and ratings shrink. So the tactics have to be stepped up to get our attention. And I'd say the news does a pretty good job of getting our attention because mostly everyone in here knows exactly what's going on in our world. Literally, our culture is selling the news. Welcome to the Holy City. The silver screen, but with the lens of so self-esteem, my teenagers plead for meaning and means of selling the news. See, opinions are easier to swallow the facts. The grays instead of the whites and the blacks. If you shoot it too straight, it won't come back. We're selling the news. See, money speaks volumes louder than words. The virtues with wings maybe not quite as first. But 
are paid by the ads, not the birds for selling the moon. See, all men are equal, all is for sale. A powerful dog has been chasing his tail. The lowest common denominator prevails, selling the news. I want to believe you, I want to believe, but everything is in between. The fact is fiction, the fact is fiction. I want to believe you, I want to believe, but everything is in between. The fact is fiction, suspicion is a new religion. Marjorie fears, stroking the eyes and tickling ears. The truth is seldom just as it appears. We're selling the news. See, I wanna believe you, I wanna believe, but everything is in between. The fact is fiction. The fact is fiction. I wanna believe you, I wanna believe, but everything is in between. The fact is fiction. The fact is fiction. I can see. band right there, you know that? Um, well, the, my media of choice is, does everybody have a media of choice? My media of choice, some is social media, some is, it's the morning news. Morning news. The, the news in 90 seconds, it's really just about all I need to know exactly what's happening in the world. Now, usually I extend it just a little while longer, but I record it and I push through it and uh, I do it on my terms. But normally, I try to live by this. Above all else, guard your heart and mind. I really live by that. I try to be careful about what I put in my mind because I know what goes in comes out. And I try to live by that. But this week, I just immersed myself in the news. I watched both the RNC and the DNC. I watched the news the whole time. By Thursday, I was ready to just be done with it. It, it was just so much. 
And, uh, but I did find one little tactic. You probably have never sat and timed the news and ads, but I did that. And I found that they have about seven minutes of news and then 10 minutes of ads. It's just how it works. Because you know that it's really about selling us something, right? Even the news. I remember years ago they were talking about where the news would get to that it would have to be more entertainment. And I've just watched that happen over the years that it becomes more about what will suck people in and what will draw people in and what will, what, what will sell us into a particular thing that's trying to be, be sold. The agenda is really to persuade us to identify with something or other and to buy into whatever's being sold. And probably you don't sit around and put that much thought into it, but I do. Because if, if the Bible says to guard your heart and your mind, I take that very seriously. Because that means that I need to be responsible for what's going into my mind, because whatever goes into my mind is going to come out in my behaviors. Because my thoughts and my emotions and my heart and my, my mind control how I interact with my world. Now, research is showing that exposure to what we put in to, to media can have some serious and long-lasting psychological effects, and I care about these things. Because I believe that a mind is a very precious part of who we are. And uh, Dr. Graham Davy specializes, this negative headlines get more attention. They just do. Because there's something inside of us that it connects to that just draws us in. And uh, those we, sometimes we don't even realize how, how powerful those voices are influencing us. And, and more so, they influence us if we think they don't. Grab hold of that one. If we think they don't influence us, it's going to influence you more because you're not going to be aware of what's really happening. Now, research is showing, uh, Dr. Graham Davy specializes in the effects of media and violence and suggests that the exposure increases, and I've seen this as well, it increases the development of anxieties and fears and, and depression, but it has an even larger effect on how we interpret and how we interact with our world. It's so subliminal, we don't even question it sometimes, but it, it affects the way that we see our world. It affects the way that we see other people. And we're more likely to see our environment and our people and, and other people negatively. And then our response tends to follow that. It tends to be more negative and, and that influences the environment and the people around us. So the vicious cycle goes on unless we take time like this to sit down and really process this and really think about this and step back and take a look at what really is going on here. You know, you can go almost anywhere on planet Earth and find the media pumping in. I, have, I know someone that just left this week, just left on Friday, to go to the Amazon in South America. She's getting on a canoe, getting off the plane, getting in a canoe, riding down the Amazon to a, a remote little village where they're going to help build a medical uh, facility there. And uh, she's been uh, processing this and preparing for this for quite a long time. 
and she's probably actually there right now, and they told her now that canoe might take on water. So uh, pack accordingly, and I'm thinking, you know, if your clothes get wet, you're in wet clothes for the rest of the time because it's humid. And I'm thinking, she is grittier than I am. But she said she was looking up pictures of this little village where they're going to go to, and she said it blew her away because she saw satellite dishes on the structures. <laughs> And, and, you know, I have walked in, in the poorest of the poor flavillas in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And I've walked down through there. We, we had someone take us, and they said, the drug lords are watching, but they know you're here, and they'll trust us walking through there. And I heard TVs blasting out of almost every little small, tiny living space that was there. The media is pumping into the minds of people, even in the poorest of the poor. I was with a man in Lagos, uh, Nigeria, and he lives half-time in London and half-time in Nigeria. And uh, this was eight years ago, and we were riding in the back of the car, and I love having these discussions uh, with people and hearing how people think. And he was talking about our U.S. election. Eight years ago, we had an election as well, and he was very invested into it even more so than I was. And he started telling me some things, his perspective on, on what it was all about in the U.S. and the election. And I was like blown, I was thinking, where, where is this coming from? I could not even relate to some of the things that he was saying. And, and I said, where do you hear this? And he, he told me his news outlet. And, and I realized that his perspective was based on those voices. And I was in uh, Vienna, Austria. And I would talk to the people there, and, and, and they would tell me that their picture of people in the United States was just like the wild, wild west. They showed some, some westerns there, but they said they, they know that everybody in the United States, because they've seen the shootouts that happen here, that they just pictured us like people in the wild, wild west. And then I was in Iceland most recently, and you know what they wanted to know out in the outlying, deep in the country of Iceland? They said, tell us about Trump. <laughs> I, 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 they had this picture of who we were, and, and that's what happens. Oh, also in Austria, another thing that was really interesting to me was in my hotel room, the only news that I could find was Jon Stewart. You know who Jon Stewart is? He's a satirical comedian. But that was the news that they were getting. And so all around the world, people are being influenced and being pumped into minds, and people are gaining perspectives. And that research is showing that that's true. We, re we see our world the way that we are told to see our world. Because you see, oh, here's a good one. What's that next headline? How to use parental lock to prevent your parents from watching the news. <laughs> now, Colin changed that for me last night. It said Fox News, and I said, but it could be CNN or it could be BBC or whatever news there is. So children, uh, put that parental lock on so they don't keep feasting on that. Well, there's this place deep inside every human being, deep inside all of us, that gets drawn in 
And we begin to engage. And it's lured by this legitimate need that longs to know the truth. We just want to know the truth. Now, sometimes we deny it because we don't want to know the truth. Because the truth sometimes is not uh, all that pleasant. But the reality of it is there's this place within each one of us that just longs to know the truth. So how do we know what to believe? How do we know with so many voices competing for our attention, how do we know how to do that? How to navigate through and, not, and, and guard our minds and not allow what we're hearing or what we're seeing to determine how we interact with our world? Because you see, the mind, and I love studying the mind. I have for a long, long, long time, and I, I've studied the mind of Jesus. I, I just am so fascinated by how the brain and the mind works. Because it's all about, it, it affects every relationship that we have. And the mind is a highly sought-after commodity in our world. Your mind, my mind, is a highly sought-after commodity. But our mind is also this incredible gift that God has given us. With the potential, you know it has the potential to store up to 100 trillion thoughts? It's, it's, it's bigger than a computer. And clearly, whatever we put into our mind is how we will interact in our relationships and in our world. You remember that advertising slogan that said, a beautiful mind is a terrible thing to waste. God has blessed us with this amazing brain to help us think and to help us feel and to work and to plan and to play and enjoy life. And sometimes we just take it for granted and we just think it'll be okay, but we really need to step back and kind of look at it because God wants to strengthen it. He wants to renew it. He wants to bless it and he wants to guard it for us as well. And when we value this gift, when we truly say thank you, God, for the mind and the brain that you've given me, when we truly value it, we'll take care of it. And not necessarily by eliminating the news, not necessarily by cutting ourselves off from the world. That's not what God calls us to do because we are in the world. We need to know what's going on around us. But Paul wrote to the Roman Christ followers who were also buying into the breaking news of the day. There were false gods. There were strong opinions. There were philosophers. There were all kinds of voices that were happening then. And Paul wrote to them and he said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what the will of God is. You know, people often ask, they'll say, well, I don't know what the will of God is. Well, very clearly it says, so that you can prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. He's clearly talking about our minds and how God wants to strengthen and bless our minds. See, Paul's saying here to allow God to do something different with you. To be in this world and to allow him to have this transforming power that lives within you, that causes you to see life in a different way. 
not like a chameleon that just adapts and blends into its environment and becomes whatever the environment is. He says we are to become something different, fully aware, fully aware of the, all the voices that are vying for our attention. And I love this scripture. I love this, what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. He's not saying, sheepy, come on over here. We're going to corral you up, and we're going to keep you away from those wolves. It's not what he said. We, don't, we can't do that with our children either. Corral them up. Keep them away. We're not going to prepare them for life. Jesus said, I'm throwing you out with the wolves. I'm throwing you out there. And here's his advice to them. Here's his Here's his words, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Now, we could brew on that. If you would take just those words of Jesus and allow them to penetrate you, he would show you and teach you how to live in this world, but not of this world. It's artwork. It's transforming power. So we have to learn how to discern truth. And we do that by pursuing it. We go after it. Opinions aren't truth. None of us, all of us have an opinion, but none of us have all truth wrapped up in that opinion. Reasoning. We can't logically find all truth. Even if we have a high IQ, even if you're really, really smart, it doesn't lead you to truth. Being a Democrat or a Republican, neither party has all truth. Did you know that? <laughs> you knew that in your head, right? But don't we get drawn into a side? Jesus was clear about how to find truth. Now, this is not popular because you can see a lot of empty seats here. The RNC and the DNC was packed, but not our churches. So this is not a popular message. Not everyone is gonna shake their banner and say, yeah, yeah. But Jesus clearly said, if you abide in my word, if you jump into my word, if you find out what it is, if you allow it to live in you, if you allow it to transform you, you're my disciples. And you know what? You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Why isn't everyone clamoring for that? Jesus is not going to be one of those voices that competes for your attention. He's just not. He says to guard your heart and your mind. This is that scripture, a little mantra for every single one of us. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows out of it. Who you are as a person how you relate in your relationships, everything comes from within us. Whether it's someone gossiping about another person, you know, you get into groups and they'll be talking about someone else and, and you get drawn into that, or whether it's the news or, or politicians trying to get your vote, please don't fall for everything you see and hear. Guard your heart. Filter it. 
have a filter within you. There's always more to whatever spin is being put on the story that you're listening to. There's always more. Somebody gossiping about someone, there's another part to this story. There's always a motive behind it. Dig deeper. Pray. Question. Study God's word. Nurture a relationship with Jesus. Because you know what this does, and people want this, but nobody seems to want to go, go at it from this direction. It develops good judgment in you. It develops a filter that you're able to take what you hear and what you see and filter it and kind of strain out some of the stuff that's not true. It develops your discernment, and it develops confidence. We want confidence, and this is the way we find it. And you know what happens? The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard you, will guard your heart and mind. He promises to do that for us as we keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the real deal. You know, when people are taught to detect counterfeit money, have you ever gone uh, to pay for something and they hold that $20 bill up and they look at it really quick? When people are taught to uh, detect counterfeit money, they don't use fake money. They don't study fake money to uh, find out what it looks like. They study real money. Because knowing the real thing, being able to see the real thing, helps you spot a fake. And so we have to keep our eyes on the real deal, on the real thing. We have to keep our eyes on what's true and real. And you know what will happen? Then you'll begin to be able to spot what's fake. And you won't be as quick to fall for it. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And nobody gets to God except through him. The Roman prosecutor, Pontius Pilate, he stood before Jesus and he said, what is true? But then he turned and he walked away before Jesus could ever answer. And you know what the irony of that is? Truth was standing right in front of him. You know, sometimes the truth is right in front of us. And we don't stick around long enough. We don't dig deep enough to see it. See, if Pontius Pilate really wanted to know, he would have taken the time to learn to know who Jesus was. And Pontius Pilate raised the most important question of life, but his mind was not open to it. He had shut down. He wasn't open. See, there's this deep longing with each, within each one of us to know the truth, Yet we try to satisfy that longing in all kinds of different ways. I mean, just, just look around and look at the ways. Look within yourself. How am I trying to satisfy that deep longing that I have for truth? Where am I seeking that? Where am I looking for it? It shows up in our strong opinions and in our behaviors and our relationships. And we get so distracted and fixated 
on the chaos of this world or what someone else is doing that we don't like and how we feel about that. And it just breeds this culture that's filled with anxiety and fear and confusion. And we lose our identity. We don't even know who we are. Identifying with Jesus is not popular. But he's not going to compete with all the other voices in our lives to get our attention. You know, it doesn't take long if you're talking to someone. Someone just this week tried to pull me into a political discussion, and I just said what I said last week, that, you know, uh, some of the things that I said uh, in, in the message last week, and um, because it, it just seems like when you, when you talk with someone, you know exactly who and what they identify with. A Democrat or a Republican, their sexual orientation or some religious group. It, it's as if we need to belong to certain group to know who we are. And you know, I think maybe the cost is too great for us to identify with Jesus. Because in this culture, it's not very popular and you might get laughed at. You might get ridiculed. And so our egos sometimes really can't handle that. But Paul wrote to the Romans and he said, to, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. This is the truth. Last week we looked at how Jesus navigated through a politically saturated culture. It was no different than ours. But he never compromised. He never lost who he was. He never had to identify with a particular group in order to know who he was. And there was a group of people that tried to trick Jesus with this question. And they said to him, and I took this out of the Living Bible because I just loved what it said. They said to him, they said, we know you're an honest teacher. We know you always tell the truth. And you don't budge an inch in the face of what others think. You teach us the ways of God. So is it right to pay our taxes? And they were trying to trick Jesus up. They were trying to say, are you following the government or are you following God? And Jesus said to them, because he could look through, and I love this about Jesus, he, he's my example. He's, he was looking through their motives. He was going deeper into what they were saying. And he asked them to show him a coin. And they pulled out a coin, and he said, now whose picture is on that coin? And they said, well, Caesar's picture is on that coin. And Jesus said, well, then give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to the government what's theirs. Pay your taxes. Be a good citizen. Follow the laws, that's what Jesus was saying, but he said, give to God what's God's. And there really needed to be a follow-up question to that. And Caesar said, or, and, and Jesus said, and we say, so what's God's? If we give to the government, we talked about that last week, if we give to the government, what's God's? And the answer to that question defines our unique identity and worth. Caesar's image was on the coin. The question for us is, whose image is printed on you? 
Ravi Zacharias says this. He says, Jesus and the cross are central to answering this question, to the meaning of life. Why? Because we need to remember, as people who are interested in coming together and, and seeking for Jesus and seeking for truth, we need to remember our greatest need is not a political leader. Our greatest need is not education, though both of those are very important. The greatest need for people everywhere lies deep within our own heart, where evil stalks around and wants to destroy us. Our greatest need is for a Savior. We need a Savior, and our Savior is Jesus. If we're a Christ follower, we need to remember this. We need to remember that we are citizens of another kingdom, a kingdom that's yet to come, that will bring world peace. Political leaders and human systems will never bring that. There will be wars and there will be rumors of wars and there will always be sensational news all around us. But Jesus' kingdom is built in the hearts of people, in our hearts, where true transformation has to happen, where the renewing of our mind changes the way that we interact with our world. It's a kingdom yet to come, and I have such a burden, I have such a heartbeat for people who call themselves Christ followers, we need to be an army that rises up and interacts with our world differently and have allegiance to Jesus Christ first. To live as a citizen of his kingdom. To be a good citizen here with our civil government. But to remember, we are citizens of another kingdom. And for us to rise up, as that song said, to rise up and wholeheartedly and courageously reflect his light as we put him into our lives and allow him to transform us, that light will interact with the world. And it'll show up in the words that we say. It'll show up in our relationships. We need to ask ourselves this question. Whose image is on me? Where does my allegiance lie? And I'm, am I reflecting that to the world? Let's stand together and just take the next few moments. You know, really what we as Christ followers need to do is get quiet, to be less noisy in this chaotic, really, really, really noisy world with all of the voices vying and competing for our attention to take moments like this where the Holy Spirit is so present and wants to speak to you. Because you see, we have to slow down and get quieter to hear that voice. But as we follow that voice, our world will be drastically changed. So in these moments, let's just hear from him.